Hello and welcome to the Blossom Your Awesome podcast, episode number 27. Today on the show, he is back. Dr. Daniel Winkle is joining us again, and we are talking about the mind body connection and dreams. I am so excited about this conversation. And I am so honored and delighted to have Dr. Dan back here on the show with us. Hi, Dr. Dan. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome, Sue. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I am so excited about our conversation today. So I am going to say we jump right into this topic of the mind-body connection. Can you help us better understand that? Yes. So the, you know, the mind-body connection is, there's a lot of different ways that it's reflected through our life. And one of the ideas, at least my understanding of it, is that the mind or the psyche uh, some people may even refer to it as as energy or spirit um, is 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 one of the 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 sources of life, and that you know that um, you know physical life uh, springs from that. And one of the things that I've been been researching and looking at is that in many ways as a society and things that we're taught either when we're young or through professional training, it really teaches us to, to sever those connections, either making them separate things or even really cutting off the importance of the mind and just um, concentrating on our uh, physical being or the body itself. And so um, for many people and practices, it's, it's a matter of either reestablishing or understanding that, connection and that these two, sometimes I'll refer to them as dimensions of our being, um, the mind and body, uh, that these are really intricately connected and there's no separation um, between the two. And so those are the, a few of the my initial discoveries and thoughts on that. Okay. And now how can we tap into this and be able to use it to our benefit? What are some examples of learning to understand this and then apply it to our lives? Uh, yeah, so one of the ways that I teach in a professional manner is what we call mind-body skills. And these are a set of skills that many I learned from the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, and uh, some I've either developed on my own or others have pulled in from other sources. Uh, but these include things, Sue, like meditation, uh, guided imagery, it can be movement techniques. Uh, they can even sometimes include things like um, uh, emotional freedom technique, which is tapping or even understanding um, things like acupuncture and, and, and the meridians and, and um, those can help us to begin to make that connection. And I, the, the word skill, I believe, is chosen as well on purpose because um, there are things that we need to practice. And uh, I like to talk to people about, you know, in particular, like meditation. I think it should be like brushing our teeth. Um, 
Um, so we would call that a, a self-care skill as well. You're caring for your mind and, and your body, you know, by cleaning up. And, and so these, a lot of these techniques um, allow us to, you know, clean up mentally um, or, or spiritually. And so um, they're a part of that, that sort of self-care routine, but they're also things that we, we need to practice, but those help to help people understand and see that connection. The interesting thing is we can talk about the connection um, or somebody could even listen into this, but discovering it for yourself is really the most powerful way and really uh, feeling that. Um, and so that's where encouraging people into their own self-care and their own practices like meditation, um, it, it, at least from a teaching standpoint, is uh, to me been the most effective. And now I know you're doing this work as far as you say, you know, a teaching standpoint, you're doing this work with um, patients. So tell us what you're discovering there. What is happening there for you? So, yeah, the, the, the one thing that I'm learning, the skills are really uh, foundational and um, it's it, the, to me, one of the things I'm learning and, and probably the, the best way is to talk about um, the interesting thing about these skills that differ from medicine is that they are not something you know, if I, if I'm prescribing a particular medicine, I'm not necessarily going to have taken that or had that experience, but the self-care skills are different. Um, so not only do I teach them, but they're also something that, you know, I practice and, and that then ability to teach comes from my own practice and understanding. Um, so it is interesting in a way that we're not recommending something that I wouldn't do for myself. I think that's a really powerful statement. Um, and to me, one of the biggest changes is yes, it, it calms down stress and stress hormones. Um, but the other thing that, that I think is more, um, maybe less clinical and more of a spiritual, um, idea is that it's the skills and the practice of these also help us to realize that we are connected to something uh, bigger or deeper. And, and that is a, not just connected to it, but it's a, literally a part of our own self, our own psychological makeup, and that is the mind. And so the skills I'm finding build a bridge between those two areas. And what I'm finding happens in this bridge is that we, I said earlier that that psych spirit in many, many different names um, is, is a source of our own nourishment. And, and um, some people even refer to it as source. And with that connection, then without having to do a whole lot of other things, you feel nourished and it builds a sense of safety. And that sense of feeling safe and secure in the world is the most basic um, sense. If we don't have that, there's all kinds of different things. And it's interesting if in the Ayurvedic system, so with the chakras, um, if anybody practices yoga or things like that, that sits the very base um, is that sense of safety. And so these connect us with that, that nourishment and then foster that sense of safety. 
Um, and so for somebody who's been traumatized or hospitalized, reestablishing a sense of safety in the world and in their own being is really, I think, the first step to healing and feeling whole again. And are you seeing with patients who are implementing this philosophy or this idea of kind of tapping in in this way, are they recovering faster? Are they doing better than patients who are not? Are you seeing that sort of thing? Yes. Yeah, that's a consistent observation for those that there's a couple different categories, Sue. There's people that maybe do this once or twice just with me or with one of our other practitioners. Um, and, and even that has an immediate benefit. There's some folks like a medium category who begin to, they, they do a couple in-person sessions and they practice a little bit and, and they maybe benefit a little bit more as they kind of take a slight step. And there's other people that really with like the teeth brushing example, make this a part of their daily routine. And a lot of those folks stay in touch with me either through email or, you know, we do follow-up calls on the cell phone and I check up on them because of their, their own commitment being so deep to practicing this. And, and for those folks, they, most people report that it's, that it's life-changing would be the most um, common description uh, that, that it's just a life altering and sometimes in little inexplicable ways, but, but that is the, the power that they describe. Wow. Now, Dr. Dan, tell us, you know, let's, as an example, let's say I have suffered a traumatic injury and I have like a long-term, you know, healing process, a long road ahead of me. How can you give us something really practical, how you're implementing this energy medicine? What would you tell me? Where would I start with that? And, you know, from your standpoint? Well, the starting point we talked about in our, in our first podcast, and we won't go through the whole process again. Um, but if you're just listening into this one, um, we, I would go back to the soft belly breathing. It's the simplest. It's the easiest to learn. You don't need any special skills. Um, and so that's available. The last recording of that and how to walk through that is available uh, in our last discussion. And so that's a great, a great starting point. Um, and is, is also to introduce some of the skills that help to calm um, our nervous system. And there's an interesting thing with animals when they're traumatized or hurt, they immediately go back once the actual physical threat is no longer in front of them, their nervous systems balance immediately. And so in, uh, with humans though, our imagination has the, has the ability to um, respond to imagined events. Our heart rate will go up, our blood pressure will begin to change. Um, our eyes, our, our eyesight will change and quicken. And so we, we respond to that even through the imagination. So a lot of the then techniques, um, guided imagery, uh, shaking and dancing. So shaking and moving our bodies, um, those will begin to, um, uh, begin to lessen that response. And then also just processing and talking about that, um, in a way without judgment. So, um, 
being open and accepting and then moving into some of the skills is also very effective, not just bringing up or reliving it for the sake of reliving, but allowing somebody to bring it up and then relax um, creates a sense of acceptance. And, and that acceptance uh, moves us through the healing process. One of the things that really holds people back is accepting the present moment. They, they don't want to accept it. They want things to be different than what's in front of them. And that creates, that's probably a major barrier. And so another piece of these skills is that it helps to create that acceptance um, through paying attention to the breath. It, it's one of the most effective things to, to, if not the most effective thing to bring us into the present moment. Wow. So now, you know, my next question, one of the things you kind of, um, with the mind body connection, you say is, you know, it's essentially we're tapping into different dimensions of ourselves. Do I have that correct? Or can you kind of elaborate on the different dimensions of ourselves and how we go there? Yes. Um, so when I'm, I'm going to use a different term to, so the, the three main divisions um, I, the, the, the easy, there's lots of different terminology, but the three I like best are the inner self. So it's, it's a little, it, it's a little confusing, but that's what we would, some people would call that then the psyche or the soul. Um, but it's, I like the thing, term inner self, because it reminds us that it's not something that's outside of ourselves. It is, um, it is this, it's called, you know, a different dimension. It has different rules and, and different um, ways that it operates, but it is connected to us. So I call it, we call it the inner self. Um, there is the body consciousness is, is another thing. So what that refers to is our body's automatic processes, our heart's beating, our blood is pumping, you know, the blood pressure is automatically adjusting itself. Our lungs are breathing. We don't have to think about this. Um, we can move our attention into those areas. And actually some of the, the, the mind-body skill techniques, I think that's one of the ways that they help. We, we begin to pay attention to the body consciousness and having our own attention there um, is, is helpful. It can help us consciously you know, find out you know, some issues and be able to come be, have that be helpful. And then also then the third part would be uh, what some people call the ego. Um, you could also say then the outer self. And so that's the one, the part of the self that deals with our physical senses, seeing the world, smelling the world, touching, um, and, and all the different, all the different physical senses. So that's operating in that. And when we're healthy, things are moving from the psychologic dimension or the inner self, you know, in through the body consciousness and in through the outer self to kind of create this, this, um, seamless experience. And so I think another, although it's, this hasn't been scientifically documented um, directly, I'm not even sure how you would design a study uh, to do so, but um, there's, there is this, this flow between those, those elements of self. And I think that's one of the other ways the skills work um, because when we become more relaxed, uh, our brain waves change. We go into different patterns. So in meditation, there's alpha brain waves, theta brain waves, delta. And these are the same. When we meditate, we go into those brain waves and they're the same that happen in our sleep patterns. But we're not asleep. We're aware of what's going on. 
And, and so I think those are getting us in touch and letting us get into those more inward, inward dimensions, um, you know, of our own self. And, uh, and with that connection, you know, comes health. This is just all so fascinating to me. So now getting into this, uh, the dream state, this is something we had kind of touched on this briefly, but I, you know, we're going to go deeper with this this time. So help us understand what's happening when we're in that dream state. <clears throat> well, we, it's, it's, in in the context of those three parts of the cell of of self and um, one of the other things also understanding and I'm going to veer off for just a moment um, is you know also also understanding death and dying and you know what happens with that and what is what happens to our consciousness and this uh, in, in that um, and so the sleep states and investigating the the inner self is one of the clues to, you know, what is happening in that, in that particular dimension. And it starts to, we start to begin to understand it's not, it doesn't operate under the same rules of our logical, rational mind, um, which is more associated with that ego self that we use to, to navigate, you know, our physical lives. And, and so it, the looking at the dream state, and so a lot of this from a from a traditional psychological standpoint in psychology was studied by Carl Jung um, and uh, he described a lot of archetypes and different dream symbols but one of the things that it lets us know is that that's really the language of um, you know that inner self it's a not a physical language we take the information or the energy of that inner self and then translate it into physical languages that's what you know that's what we do or physical expressions it doesn't need to be language it could be art or civilizations or societies and so um but being in touch and beginning to pay attention to our dreams i, I think it does another thing of also setting an intention that we're interested in that dimension of our of our own selves so it kind of begins to open up uh, a gate of information as well and um, the, these three parts, we often in our society have a philosophy of sort of survival of the fittest and that things work through competition. And so when we begin to also pay attention to, to dreams and these other elements of our own self, we are, it's making another intention that we are looking for cooperation and that these these parts are not competing with each other. It's not like we're losing something when we're sleeping. It's the opposite. We're, we're gaining lots and lots of different knowledge. And um, these, uh, you know, that it's coming in connection um, with that. It, it, an interesting example of how that, you know, one of the ways that this works and where that knowledge comes from, a lot of the, if you, if you look at the, the notes of famous inventors, um, somebody like uh, Thomas Edison, well-documented that he saw the light bulb in his dreams before and then kind of woke up and, and saw it there in his mind and was able to then um, produce the design for it physically. Same thing with Tesla, 
um, Einstein and, and a number of really, really prominent scientists describe um, and talk with people about uh, these, these dream states. So there's, there's information there and beginning to pay attention um, connects, connects the, the dreamer to that, that stream of information. Now, can you tell me, are, are our dreams, are they always somehow correlating to real life? You know, you say there's information there. So, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I'm having like these crazy dreams that have nothing to do with my real world. And I'm always working to kind of interpret them and understand, right? Use them in some way, but I'm just like, where did that come from? And what did that mean? So a couple of things there, Sue, come to mind when you tell me, and thank you for, for sharing that um, about yourself. Uh, but I, I know what you mean, that they, some of them are really off the wall. And one of the things I've come to discover that it is a safe place to discharge emotion um, or to understand feelings and emotions. And so sometimes we can use the dream state to express a particular emotion that we may have been suppressing. And I, I'm thinking of a dream for me. I had one um, where there was a time in my life prior to studying some of the mind-body skills where I was holding on to a lot of anger. I just didn't, I, I had a kind of an attitude of, um, oh, just suck it up and, and never really, I felt angry, but I never really expressed it. I was holding on to it. And uh, I remember having a dream, anybody familiar with the Star Wars series um, in the first three movies, uh, I guess, a spoiler alert, you pause or move forward if, if you plan on watching those. But I had a dream um, of Anakin Skywalker being, when he um, is submersed in the, the, it's a lava planet and he's sort of burned. And that's how he makes his transition to Darth Vader. And um, I had had a dream about that and woke up in a, in a crazy sweat and really in the dream state felt that sort of seething, enormous anger. Um, and, and ultimately now in retrospect, looking at that dream, it acted as a discharge for me. It gave me a safe place to express something that I wasn't expressing physically or wasn't expressing in my life. And um, so it kind of was an energy outlet is how I understood that particular dream um, from sort of stopping me then from going, you know, going crazy or, 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 or having that consume me, you know, in a physical expression or, you know, had it not let out in a dream, it might've come out as an accident or some other sort of angry expression, um, you know, in life. So I think it can serve that purpose for some of those strongly emotional dreams. And then there's also, while you were saying that, there's a technique. So if you're having trouble interpreting a particular dream, so firstly, I don't like the books that just kind of give you symbols because every symbol in the dream has so much information. The, the, the symbols themselves are multidimensional. And um, an example I'll give in that, I once had a dream about that had patients in it. So patients in the hospital, but the symbol itself was actually about patients being patient, like being like needing to wait for something. And so even within that 
uh, would dream there was like plays on words. And so the, there's all kinds of really interesting things that come up um, with that. But one way, if we're having troubles interpreting something and our own interpretations, I also don't support people that go and then somebody just gives you an interpretation. It can, for somebody who's beginning, spark that. Or, and that's different from if you're working with somebody and they're maybe asking you questions or giving you ideas. But the idea is to be coming up with your own interpretations of these and a technique to foster that is to then in your own mind then when you're awake if you're feeling really stuck with it is to imagine the dream and then go back into the dream itself in your mind so recreate the pictures or the feelings or the emotions uh, much like you would in like a guided imagery and then there may be a person there, there may be an animal, there may just be a scene. And to simply say in that state, why have you, why have you come up? You know, why is this happening? Um, and, and that's a really, and, and then just be quiet and listen. And you may not hear a voice or something like that. It may, it may move into that, but then you may immediately get an insight or that may happen a little while later but that's a really interesting technique um, to do that and then if anybody is interested there's um there's a good book that really goes into a lot of detail on that it's called conscious dreaming um and so that that's a really good resource if somebody wanted to to learn a lot more about that um that's that's outlined quite in detail in that particular text now so are you saying, or is it possible that we can manifest certain dreams at will? And well, I'm saying you can revisit that that dream, and the more you practice, more somebody practices. Um, writing down your dreams as they come, describing them, um, and not just the images, but also the feelings, um, emotions, and impressions are actually uh, really helpful for that. Um, but you, with enough practice, you, yes, a lot of these can be recalled. And then there's a lot of really fascinating things um, that the more you recall it, the more it expands it. And so it also calls into question you know, are you, as you're recreating the dream in the present moment, are you creating more of the dream that even you had in the nighttime? I mean, there's some really, um, really deep and, and interesting questions that start, people start looking at when they start doing this, because it, it opens up quite a, quite a bit of mystery um, and, and uh, about life. Wow, Dr. Dan. Now, so tell me how meditation right? With the dream work, those two components, how they come together and help kind of facilitate healing or clearing of negative energy or all of that. So the one thing that's striking me is the similarity between the meditative states. And we talked about the brainwave um, similarities, but then also the conscious um, similarity of, you know, being meditating and getting into those deeper, deeper and more relaxed states, um, sometimes uh, even refer to them as different trance states, they, they feel 
different. And then in certain meditations, there may be strings of images and thoughts and things that even come together, like with a lot of similarities of what you would see in the dream. And so it helps us one to be able to move in between those trance states or those brainwave states. And there's a couple other ones too, Sue. There's ones that are um, faster than our waking. And these are newer. These were more recently discovered. These are called gamma brainwaves. And they're also what um, helps put us into like peak performance states. Um, you know, for athletes, they may call this like being in the zone or like a concert pianist who totally loses any sense of being human is just like one with the music that they're playing. And, and people describe these states and a lot of those are gamma um, brave brainwave states um, as well. And so um, the, the different meditations help us move in between all of those, all of those states. And I think our bodies and our, our minds are designed and, and crave to have all of this variety of experience too. And so when, when we do engage in meditation and we expand the available uh, uh, trance states or brainwave states or whatever you want to call these, um, it, it automatically restores a sense of, a, a sense of, uh, a sense of health and connection. And, um, you know, many people who are experiencing health difficulties also feel stuck in a particular, um, you know, in a particular pattern. And so then by meditating and we expand these states, we no longer feel stuck. I know for me, it restored a sense of having um, some power or direction over life and, and even just a general and a better sense of concentration. And, and then with concentration comes the ability to direct, direct experience. So um, those are, those are all the different connections uh, that I'm making there. So now you're saying, cause I wasn't aware of this. I thought the dream state was just a separate state of being. So we can tap into some of these similar as the meditative state. We can tap into gamma during the dream state as well. You know, I don't know how much of the, I, the gamma state we would get into while sleeping. That's almost like, um, like a super conscious, but there are meditations that, that do that, that can, bring up some of those gamma, uh, more gamma waves. Those would be, be some of the active meditations and even exercise can help us get into that more of some of that activity. And, and exercise can be a meditative activity if you're doing it with the intention of, of being in the present um, moment wholly. But um, there's a few meditative exercises, some, uh, some of them in the tantric practices or yogic practices, um, fire breathing or dynamic breathing. Um, I don't know that these have been researched, but I, I just from my own experience of doing some of those, um, it, it can flip you into that kind of peak performance, uh, mind state. And, and so, um, I, I do believe that some of these can get us into that, into that gamma, but the, yeah, they all mimic, it's really fascinating. They mimic a lot of the different, um, 
uh, sleep states. And then, so as you get more familiar with them meditatively, if you're doing a dream practice, um, then it just feels a lot easier. You're used to being in that, in that brainwave pattern into that mindset consciously, and then it'll help you look back and, and, and examine the content of those dreams. And now, Dr. Dan, do you feel with your, you, you know, having these years of experience, you're an active meditator, do you find that uh, has you having more vivid dreams in some way? Or d- did you ever feel that your dreams changed in any kind of way after you began meditating? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. There was a couple for many, many years, there was, I had a couple recurring themes coming up. Uh, one was having to repeat certain grades um, over and over again. And uh, that, that, that one sort of let, let go. And the dream recall or ability to um, recall the dreams has, has certainly increase the other thing and this is maybe just more practical sue is just when i wake up in the morning feeling more refreshed and that the sleep quality um was better and, and so that's uh, that also came along with the regular practice of meditation i think that's that's a pretty common uh finding amongst people as well that that particular sleep quality mm-hmm. now tell me what else i mean what do you, cause I know, you know, we've had this exchange about just, it's so fascinating and there's so much yet still that seems unknown about it. What for you, tell us something we don't know about this. That is just so fascinating about the dream, deeper states and trans states that we can kind of tap into in the, in the dream state. Well, so one of the differences, so the inner self and the dream state exists outside of time. And so if people, and you may have noticed this or others, um, if there is a thought or a feeling, it, it's instantly alive. It instantly creates an entire, you know, dream state. And, and, and there's no, there's no time involved. And so, um, you know, and if you if you look at people who've reported like near death experiences and things like that, and they're trying to describe it as they've come back, and uh, you know, people will say like, I, "There was no time, and there was no," you know, the, and for us, it's like, what, "What? What do you mean? Like, what is that?" It's it's still very difficult for me to understand, but through the to understand consciously, but through the dream state, you um, you then feel that. The other really mysterious thing, and this may really light a few people's imaginations. So you also then, you know, one of the things that tipped me off to this is I, I had, I would that, and got me interested in this. I would have a dream something. And then like 15 years later, it would happen. Mm -hmm. Like, and it'd be a place like I've had dreams. We live in California uh, now and I'm realizing that 10 years ago, having never been to California, I've dreamt of certain places that I've now gone. I see it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I saw this in a dream state. I, I knew where it, where it came from. And it, wow. it, it begs you to question like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, and so, 
I couldn't get answers, you know, through conventional systems. So I started having to learn about, you know, other explanations because I didn't want to just say, oh, it's just, you know, well, it just happened too many times to me to be able to, to just write it off. And then the other fascinating piece that I wanted to say that really might tip people's imaginations is then you start seeing these dreamlike events showing up in your physical life. Um, so right now I'm working on on a novel and um, there I, I had just finished writing a chapter on um, oil, oil like coming from the ground, crude oil um, was coming from the character's uh, spaceship as it was transforming from one spaceship to another. And I'd written about this just that morning. And, you know, I decided I, to go up for a jog and I went up into the hills and was running around. And, and at one point in the jog, three guys on bikes passed by and only caught like 10 words of their conversation. And uh, they, they were talking, uh, they're like, they were sent Texas tea oil coming up from the ground. I was like, what's going on? That like, you know, <laughs> these three got ran, you know, they could have said anything. I could have passed them at any moment, but yet something brought us together right at that moment, right when I wrote that chapter, they're talking about something exact. And they just went about their merry business. Um, and there was a couple other things like that, but that's the kind of stuff that happens in dreams or then you then notice in your life. But then that was a, that was an example of, I, I, you know, that was showing up without being asleep and that sort of level of connection. Um, and then, you know, it, it kind of, for me, it's caused me a few questions of, you know, who or what is creating, you know, my reality. Um, and then, you know, what is, what are the forces going on in that inner self that's, that's weaving that together and being really fascinated from it. And, and um, so that's kind of the, the different types of events. So one of the things that to me, that's also a counter, you know, many people after trauma or difficulties feel a real sense of despair or stuckness. And so that level of connection and use of, of imagination and, and really just raw interest is, is kind of like the antidote to that. And, and so these kind of investigations, in addition to the meditative practices, um, you know, really counteract any sense of that, um, you know, those, those, kind of, those kind of feelings. They're perfectly valid, um, but it's having, regaining this type of excitement and, and investigation um, that, that I think is a really life, life-giving. Wow. That is really, it's just, there's so much to it, you know? And now tell me what can, for someone who wants to kind of go deeper in this, you know, understanding this better and kind of help facilitating their own creative, you know, uh, just being able to tap into their own creativity. What's a way of doing that through the dream state or tapping in, in that way? Yeah. The first part of that, of developing that, I think, Sue, is to develop that meditative practice, um, to be able to kind of quiet and concentrate your mind. That's going to be helpful uh, for looking at at these kind of things. Uh, and the first step is to just start writing them down. And, 
you know, I gave the example of the the, the oil in the book and then having a, a person look for those those synchronicities. Um, dreams are very, very synchronous. So to begin writing it down and then look for those connections um, in their own life. And then the other the other is to use that as a tool to be able to then get answers. Um, a very simple way, we talked about looking at the dream, re dream re-entry, rebuilding the scene and asking questions, or just looking at the symbols that come up. Um, it, but there's also um, suggestion. And so Another word for entering this dream state is getting in touch with the subconscious. And that could be another name for that inner self could be the subconscious. And so we know that, that it, uh, right before bedtime and before entering that state, um, you can't, you can, you, you, you're not able only to extract information from the subconscious or the dreams and bring that into your life, but you can drop information in. So you could make a positive, um, you know, suggestion and things like that, and, um, or an intention, uh, you know, whatever, whatever that may be, or you could even say, I want to use tonight's dreams to, you know, investigate why my job isn't going so well, or what other possibilities, and then to, to, to go to sleep, um, kind of hold that thought in your mind as you're drifting off into sleep, and then look at the dreams in the morning, um, and, and to see what kind of connections and to write it down. And it may be three months that you kind of wander back to your journal and look at the intention and the symbols that came up and you might go, whoa, okay, yeah, the answer was there. So sometimes these things happen in retrospect um, too, but that's that would be the, 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 the kind of the starting practice. And if it's not feeling natural at first, that's okay too. Just kind of keep working at it and keep uh, practicing. Um, it, it, just like self-care skills, it's it's a, think of it as a skill, you know, um, like riding our bike, you know, we might have fallen on our first couple times, or it might have been difficult or unbalanced. So just keep practicing it, you know, and then it'll, it'll get easier. Now, Dr. Dan, I have a, this is going to be um, the last question here. And then I want you to kind of share whatever you'd like in closing. But, you know, it's, I feel that, you know, I could have a really great, cool, awesome, happy, joyful dream that all kind of, you know, I'll feel a certain way when you wake up and you're like, wow, that was cool. And that was crazy. But then you have those negative, scary ones that it seems like we kind of tend to, those are more, is that our subconscious that kind of holds that? Or what is that? Why do we grasp those in a way or have a harder time kind of releasing that? Right. And also the second part to this question, is that a sign of negativity within that needs to be released or what's going on there with that? What help us understand that? So a lot of times they find what you're describing in that, um, that that comes from particular fears. Fear was the word that was, was coming to me as you were describing that. Um, and, and so one is to the first step would be to not run away from the dream um, and say, oh, you know, that was icky or I didn't to say to look at it. Because the idea being, if you can find out what that fear is and then consciously address it, um, then then whatever that recurrence or the, the kind of ickier or more 
we use the word more negative dreams, um, will then begin to lessen. So if you deal with the fear or whatever was behind it, um, then, you know, the, the idea being that then, it, then that won't be experienced anymore. Uh, so the idea that to do that is to have a, um, is to is to look at that and then see if you can connect it to with more specificity about what it might relate to then um there's a lot of different things you can do from it from there there's a there's a mind body technique called conversation with the symptom so um you can give that fear or that um an image you know let it take an image or imagine it sitting in a chair across from you and then in your mind you have a conversation with it and you can ask things like why are you here how do i how do i over you know overcome you know this or um where did you come from and you can begin to then get insights uh about you know where that's that's coming from so you could use the contents in the symbol of the dream to find try and um relate uh, uh to that this is so cool. I think this is so insightful because so many of us try to understand our dreams, but we don't actually do any work around that. And I think it's so awesome that um, you're giving us this information here that allows it, makes it more of a work in progress, like it's tangible. We can actually understand it with a little work. Yeah, you know, one one example, I mean that that dream, particularly the one I described was of really being burned alive. That's not uh, a pleasant dream by any means, but but I looked at the symbols involved. So, you know, the Star Wars symbols or, you know, Darth Vader, a lot of that has to do with authoritarianism, trying to have conscious control over everything, you know, really trying to manipulate and, and, and have their hand in all of that. So that was actually something that I was struggling with and causing a great amount of frustration. And, and so the, the feeling in the dream, that anger I described and the, the, the symbolic content were linked to each other. It was giving me a clue of where the frustration was coming from. And then in the process of doing the meditations and letting go that everything from an ego level had to be consciously controlled, um, that was what presented the, the solution. And then dreams of that, that intense anger, you know, pretty much stopped coming up for me. Um, and, and so that's kind of an idea of the cycle, you know, you can move through and then, and then that type of type of insight. And then that connects back to then through that process that that ego becomes frustrated when it's trying to control everything. Um, and, and so meditating and working with the dreams realizes all these other sources of information. We don't have to consciously always rely on our logical and rational mind and the senses. So it, it there's there's three or four different layers of activity going on there. And then the more people look at these, at the dreams, you can begin to see more and more of the layers and the connections. Wow. Okay. So that was amazing. And I'm ready to start doing the work because I have, I'm always having dreams that like, I know they mean something, 
but you know, I'm not taking the time to actively say, okay, let me write these down and let me really just sit here and try to process this and think about this and um, reconcile it. And I think most of us don't. Now, Dr. Dan, can you, what are final thoughts here for us in closing? What would you like to leave us with something powerful and awesome? Wow. Well, I, I agree. Sue, thanks so much for having me. Firstly, um, I was super excited to, to talk about this. And um, I, I want to come back to just the um, inner, this multidimensionality. And so there's so many different parts to, you know, being a, a human being or, or if you like, uh, my one teacher says, eternal, any mortal uh, spirit soul. And it's, it's filled of these different dimensions. And so really in the simplest sense that um, so many of these things are reconnecting or, or just sort of deepening our own understanding of all of these, these different dimensions. This is just one way um, to be able to, to do that. It's very accessible anybody can do it, you know, with, uh, with enough interest. Some people may find it that they're more apt to this than others, just like any skill, you know, something may feel more natural. Um, and, and also for the, you know, the listeners out there also understanding you know, it's maybe even more of a recent thing that we haven't had, uh, interest in this, you know, this, if you look at all of the, many of the older cultures, this was foundational, um, you know, in Greek, Greek times, there was entire gods and churches, you, you know, uh, and uh, sub-religions sub you know, just, just dedicated to this, um, these topics. And so, you know, it's only recently that, that it would be lost, that things like this have been lost um, or sort of glossed over. Um, so I think a lot, some of it's getting us back to, to our roots and, and reconnected with some of these things. So, um, yeah, be interested to see, you know, with some of the listeners, how um, and yourself and myself, how this how this evolves. And, and I'm excited to share that with you. Wow. Dr. Dan, this has been amazing. As always, you are just um, so cool. And I, you know, you already know, I think this, I, it's just so amazing that you're an MD and you do this energy work and are kind of tapping in in a different way. Um, so what about a little, um, what can you leave us with for the week? Something just, you know, a little pick me up, some inspiration, anything else you want to add? Oh, no, no. I just, I, I know for me, I'm just enjoying making those connections and, um, it's those little synchronicities in life for me, those little serendipities. And there's lots of things that are happening. Um, but uh, I know sometimes even the intensity of those events can cause some fear. Like, how is that possible? You know, like who's looking into my life where, where this connection's made? Or, or, um, but to me, you know, understanding the, all the different uh, the, the forces and also then to challenging people to understand where is that coming from and, and um, understanding that is their own inner dimension or something they are connected to, that this isn't an outside force. And so to think about that and then look for those, those connections. I know that's what I'm going to do. And, um, 
you know, with energy medicine, I know for some people, maybe more traditional people, that's also, it could be a term that, you know, really challenges people. The, the thing I'd say is even traditional medicine is a form of energy medicine. We're just using chemical energy, right? Medicines and things you mm -hmm. take by mouth and it's still energy. Um, and so, you know, there's all kinds of different um, types or applications of that. And so um, and that's something else to, to think about that might be able to help people con expand their concepts of, of what is energy and what is medicine, because the word medicine comes from uh, medi, and it also shares the same beginning as meditation. Um, and it simply means to take measure of. So the original medicine was, was introspection and taking measure of our, our own situation. So that, um, you know, that's, that's what I'd like to be, live, leave people with and uh, just encourage them to be curious about their own being and, and engage in some of these investigations. Wow, that was awesome, Dr. Dan. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's always a pleasure. Thank you.